0: Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Redefining Reality. I am your host, Brian Hardy, and today I had a fun conversation, conversation in a car with my friend Simon. We talked mostly about experiences with the spirit molecule, aka DMT, dimethyltryptamine, Now, this is a naturally occurring compound that is actually found in many plants It has been found in the pineal gland of rodents. People hypothesize that it is also secreted and created in our pineal glands, the pineal gland representing the third eye in Eastern mysticism, the gateway with a connection to the spirit world. And as you'll hear in our discussion, and as you'll see, if you look into things like DMT, the spirit molecule, the book or documentary, and do readings and research along these lines, that there's a lot of evidence suggesting that DMT is in fact the biochemical doorway into the spirit world, right? And so if this sounds all woo-woo to you, I encourage you to keep an open mind and to do some research before you have an opinion. Um, It's been powerful. I mean, so everybody here, if you listen to the first episode, you would know that I spent five months in the Amazon rainforest working with plant medicines, one of which being ayahuasca, which is an orally active herbal form of DMT. Now you can ingest DMT in other ways, whereas ayahuasca is a couple hours and quite an ordeal. You can vaporize DMT and have a 10 to 15 minute experience that's very quick and that is not associated with purging and discomfort and all those things. And it can be a game changer, whether it's just these chemicals having an effect on your brain and you're hallucinating or whether it really is, which is my belief, that you are becoming aware and becoming in tune with alternate dimensions. You know, quantum physics proves, suggests and proves that there are many multiple um, alternate dimensions and alternate realities coexisting all the time. And that it's just because our default mode network, as it's called in the brain, it's just because that default mode network can't perceive those dimensions and states that we oftentimes uh, forget that they exist or we buy into the scientific dogma or the materialistic, mechanistic view of the universe, which takes away all the magic, which takes away all the life, really, when truly everything is connected and everything is alive. And that's science. That is hardcore science. Some resources around that topic that I would suggest would be One Power Versus Force by Dr. David R. Hawkins, fantastic book that really anchors both the spiritual and the scientific in a easy to comprehend manner. And with that, I'm going to turn it over. So like I said, we're driving in this podcast, so there might be a bit of road road, road noise, I can barely speak. But I don't think it's going to take away too much from the quality of the episode. I think there's some valuable insights. And if you're interested in these topics, I think it'll give you some really cool points to think on and to draw on and uh, maybe some insight into um, an experience that you might like to have for yourself in in the future. So with that said... Be well, stay beautiful, show me some love in the iTunes, show me some love on social media, share these episodes with your friends, with family, with people you think would be interested or benefit from this content. Let me know what you dig, what you would like to hear more of, what you maybe don't want to hear so much of. This is really meant to be a, uh, a service, an education, an inspiration for you and for me. And so I want to make sure that I'm giving you what you want. With that said, stay beautiful, my friends, and much love. One last thing. The episode will cut off after we say we're going to take a pause. And that's because we couldn't find a quiet space to continue to record afterwards. We were in a park and it was just too much going on. So at a later date, I hope to sit down with Simon and finish up what we started and have a round two where we can tie up his experience and dive a little bit deeper and share it all out so thanks for listening have a beautiful day when i
1: get there i was gonna have to answer for some things you know like a judgment day yeah but there is no judgment right <laughs> which in hindsight makes sense but it was that it was a pleasant surprise
0: well that's i mean It's interesting because a lot of people, I think, sometimes do face the judgment. And maybe that's just it wasn't part of what the message was this time around. Or maybe you have faced enough of that on your own. You know what I mean? Because they always say it gives you what you need, not what you want or not what you expect
1: necessarily. That's true. I think some people want to be judged. It's It's a lot of like, it's a feedback. It's a dance, right? So... It's a mirror. That's all. That's the best way you can play it.
0: Okay, yeah. So it's definitely a mirror. Any of these tools that allow us to get different perspectives, get a glimpse into what's going on, a more objective glimpse, a higher level glimpse, you know, yeah, like pulling back through all the layers to see the big picture.
1: The funny thing is... Um, the difference between this and uh, so, I have a couple of analogies, and you know, the recording after and everything is that seeing is believing. And as far as chemical goes, DMT is definitely hyper visual. And it's so captivating because it eliminates your other senses. So that's why you get this full focus, your full attention is directed at this visual effect that is manifesting in response to your, yourself, your being, your consciousness, whatever have you. And how I compare it to other, um, drugs or, you know, uh, psychedelics is that like, for example, we use marijuana, right? Plant-based as well. Marijuana turns up the dial of your sensitivity on certain, like you have many different dials, sense of touch, smell, taste, yada, 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 right. And. For marijuana, it turns up the dial and makes you more sensitive to certain, certain inputs. And that enhances your experience, whether it's food pleasure, sound pleasure, makes you giggle, laugh, it affects everybody differently because you know cannabinoid system is very complicated and everyone's got different buttons that it's pushing. DMT, on the other hand, it cranks up the dial on everything. And you feel like, you figure like you might be drowned out by the noise, you know, like that's why some people when they smoke pot, they get super paranoid, I find, because they're not ready to let go. They're not ready to be sensitive in that area. So it's an over of input data and they can't, you know, they can't mute it. They can't control, they can't nullify it. They're not used to it. So they kind of shut down, essentially. With DMT, everything is cranked up and it's weird because how I like to think of it is like when you're listening to a song, right? with marijuana. Maybe when you're under the influence, the trumpet part is enhanced, right? But with DMT, it's like you're listening to an orchestra and everything is hitting at you at the same time. And you're kind of vibing and vibrating with it. Because the second time, definitely like when you correct your posture and you're more mentally and physically ready to embrace and you know, this the experience, then it recognizes that and it changes. And it has a rhythm on its own. That's the weird part. That's why people prefer it to like I and stuff because there is a, it, it's it's like a heartbeat almost. That you, it, but it feels extremely familiar. That's why it's also creepy. And the analogy that I used after to describe it was, you know how when you're a kid, and you're playing make believe with GI Joes or action figures, Transformers, whatever have you. Barbie dolls, yada, 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 is that you let your imagination flow and you understand that in order for you to, you have to depend on yourself to create joy in your life and you are a vital part of that. It gives you that experience with DMT. DMT makes you feel like, yes, you have all the control. You have all the ability, you have all the, this, you have the ability to a certain extent to change your perception and how you see things and how you experience this world, the responsibility with you and has always been with you. And. That's that was quite, uh, quite quite a confirmation. It's it's much needed confirmation.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I definitely I have had one experience with smoking DMT, and it was exactly that familiar, right? The first thing I thought when I first landed in the space was, I've been here before. I've, I've been here before. This is like, I know this place, right? It, it felt, I felt like I was in sort of a cosmic womb yep. of sorts and around me was this like ever evolving, folding in on itself, colorful tapestry of love and nurturance in a sense. Um that was, yeah, it was like, okay, I've been here before. So for me, it was same, that same thing, right? The confirmation of, okay, I know I'm a spirit. I know I am, es- like, that's my essence. That's my my real true nature is spirit manifest into the physical. And so now I've experienced that. And so it's like, okay, this is what you said. Seeing is believing or feeling is, is believing, right? As Wim Hof would say, or feeling is knowing, you know, to have that direct experience that's undeniable of okay this is real it's not just some you know woo-woo bullshit but this is going on all the time has been going on cultures have known about it forever and it's just very recently that we've been you know kind of unplugged and so seeing this increasingly popular movement of of reconnecting back to the spiritual through the earth medicines as i call them to me it's sort of like nature uh compensating for the insanity of materialistic capitalistic culture that's destroying the planet it's kind of like a a call for hope a lifeline essentially it's like a lifeline that's being offered to us i don't know what you feel about all that
1: i agree with you and then the way i see it perceive it is that modern day is good you know, like if you live in North America, there's a lot of things to be grateful for. And the happiness equation is gratitude over what you have, right? Possession. So these days people seem to have an infinite ability to have things, but we're like becoming spoiled brats. Like we're not appreciative of anything anymore. And the funny part is that, you know, the word disciple, um, mm-hmm comes to mind right so discipline is what we lack right how many times you want something like that's difficult and you always say you know what i don't have the discipline for that i wish i could do that whether it's lose weight get out a bad relationship it's generally speaking it just means a change of direction right you feel like you have no control in changing steering your ship right changing your direction Hmm. but um, discipline comes from the word disciple, and disciple meaning student, right? And the old saying, you are your best teacher, you are your worst student is very much true. And this, 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 um, this medicine or this plan, or this chemical, this drug, this hallucinogen, it teaches you the fact that you have to teach yourself. You know, it's a mirror and you're gonna manifest whatever you wanna manifest. And the responsibility falls on you. And not everyone's ready to face that decision. Um, I'm in business for myself, so I have learned that the hard way and I've come to accept a certain amount of responsibility But I know people that are very close to me that they just don't want to have to deal with it They'd rather have somebody else steer the ship But when you have somebody else steer the ship, you could plug blames on other people But at the end of the day, if you're not happy, if you're not grateful of the direction you're going Then you have yourself to blame and that's, that's, that's hard, you know, it's like It's like entering into a relationship, like a bad marriage divorce That's what it feels like, you know? Most people are, people are just in bad relationships with themselves and the world around them because they don't know, like when when things are going good, it's all me, 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 me. It's all like, oh, I did this, that's why I got this promotion, I got more money. You know, it's all me, 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 me. But when things go bad, which often things will, and I understand that like, from my perspective as well, like just my my general nature is like, it's gonna be a lot of struggle. At that point, you start pointing the fingers at other people, right? And then you blame it on the world, blame it on the boss, blame it on the environment, blame it on your circumstance, blame it on your parents. But it's all up to you. (laughs) So.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like the whole thing, you know, as within, so without. The mind, the inner state creates the outer state, not the other way around. Yep. But it's very true. It's very true. It's it's not easy uh, one bit to swallow that pill and to take that responsibility it's the best thing you can really do right because it gives you freedom and potential to change things really change things instead of just being a victim and going along with that mentality but then yeah it's like okay I'm uh, I'm choosing to do this I, I, I see it almost as a when we become you know like adults like real adults mature humans that are aware of our choices, aware of the impacts they have, and, and and totally responsible for any of the consequences. All the good, all the bad. It's all on us, right? So I'm curious how exactly, or if you can describe a little bit more in depth, that lesson or that confirmation came about through these experiences.
1: Okay, so if I'm gonna try to describe To the best of my ability, from a first-person perspective, how it was when I went under DMT. So the medicine is actually very, very strong. You don't need a lot of it, and like the the active dose is minuscule. Like if you're a pot smoker uh, or a cigarette smoker, like the equivalent of the amount that I had to go under for 15 minutes was about one and a half puff. Which, if you think about, like how much chemical, like how much. Chemical parts per million that it's affecting my body as a mass, and I'm a 170-pound male. It's astonishing. So it's quite potent. Um, and from a first-person perspective, is in the beginning, uh, things starts oscillating in your uh, field of view. So you will see little snowflakes almost emerging in your regular vision, and your vision starts vibrating and almost gets blurry and these snowflakes, they grow and they get bigger and they form geometric shape that's more recognizable.
0: Don't mind the traffic noises. We're just driving through Toronto and it's hectic as usual. And there's cyclists trying to get run over. uh, All that sort of good stuff.
1: It's people that, like if, like I chose to be here today. I chose to spend my time with Brian. I full out know I've been living in Toronto for a long time. It's three o'clock and it's going to be traffic. These people all have this common knowledge as well, but how you perceive it, how you react to it changes. It's a biofeedback. If I could choose to be stressed about it and honk my horn like that guy and, you know, raise my cortisol level and probably possibly shorten my life, but why? Like you chose to be here, you know? At this point, you should just accept the fact that we're gonna be in traffic and we'll get there when we get there, right? Right now, my sole focus is to drive as well as I can, right? Because, it's it's a dangerous world because you don't know what the person in the other car is thinking or feeling. Um, so back to the visualization. So snowflakes are growing and start vibrating. And next thing you know, like whatever you perceive around you, as you lose a sense of, you lose a sense of dimension in the sense that like what you see as your sense of depth gets compromised, and you everything becomes almost two dimensional. And at that point, you lose sense everything happens really quickly it's like being strapped onto a rocket and launched into the middle of the space but the rock is very familiar and it's not abrasive that's a key thing it's not abrasive and um so do you have your eyes open for all of this yep okay and uh and then you just you don't feel your physical contact anymore and when when you're under it's not that you don't have control of your body because if you it just takes more effort you know if you really wanted to steer the ship it's like how I like to think of it is like your consciousness is like a pilot and you are piloting your meat, meat, meat vehicle, right? Mm. And you're never going to be necessarily detached from it, right? Because that ultimate detachment is when you die or some people believe. But when you're under the drug of hallucinogen, essentially your, your, your spirit or your consciousness or your, your, your self gets pulled away from it. So if you really want to go back and steer the ship, you can. But you just imagine like a string, right, that's attached to your yourself and your body. And for you to steer normally, if you're in your body, if you're or if you have your hands on the steering wheel, it's not that hard to change direction. Feel, feel the you know your body up or have sensations, engage in your sensations. But when that's altered, it's like being on a journey and you're pulled away from your body by an umbilical cord, and you could still influence your body, but it just takes more effort, that's it. Mm. But it's very familiar, so it's. I think it's like, you know, people describe it as a womb, as a mother thing, it's like, yeah, it's very much so. It's like you're being reborn back into the womb, but you have this umbilical cord still attached to your body. That mm. makes any sense, right? And then if you, if you, you know, turn that umbilical cord, if you tug at it hard enough, you could get your body to move, and that's why the second time I went under, changing your posture constantly consciously because you have to physically focus be like all right i want to sit up taller i'm gonna breathe deeper right i'm gonna relax more i'm gonna relax my shoulder because you know it's there's nothing to fear right this is like what are you what are you getting all tensed up for what are you why are you engaging in your fight or flight you know it's not serving you right now you're on a journey and you chose to be here you've made that decision you faced that decision you accepted that decision and you're here to simply simply observe and learn Once you do that, then you know, you get more information coming at you because it won't give you more than what you could take. That's one thing that I found about this. It's not like other drugs where like, it could kick you overboard. Um, So perfect example is alcohol. You know, like everyone thinks that they could drink to the perfect amount. Usually you're always gonna overshoot it or undershoot it. It just, everyone's been there where alcohol hits you all of a sudden. And then it's, at that point, it's taking control and you're the passenger. This doesn't feel that way. Mm. Oh, and yeah. So once the the snowflake gets really large, and you lose a sense of your physical body, and um, you know the geometric shape are are, are you know um, it's unfolding on itself. First time I saw was a uh, diamond. So it's essentially a square-shaped cube diamond. Oh, my construction. And we're going on an adventure here. We could take DuPont. on it. Shaped,
0: cube, square shaped cube square-shaped cubed diamond.
1: Yeah. So why and afterwards in hindsight, what I was thinking about is why I pulled that particular image is because I have a huge eagle. I have a massive, massive eagle. And that's one of the things I wanted to kind of focus on, and on when I the intention before I took the medicine, took the drug, was that I understand what my relationship with food and how, but it's still me, 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 right? So it's eagle. A um, couple of weeks ago, I did the, the the visualization test of like, you know, this if you had to imagine a square in the desert and, you know, the determination of your ego is how big the square is and what material is made out of.
0: So, the cube. The cube. The cube yeah. visualization. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So essentially, I saw my cube when I was under and it was vib- – it had vibration. So it, imagine a diamond cube, right? It's uh, sitting on a po- – it's floating on its point and there's bigger – Uh, cubes uh, you know diamonds around and around and around it, and everything it's in warm color initially so it was all red orange yellow and it was constantly folding in on itself. so the corners will fold in it was it's hard to explain but it's making like a cross and but as I look at it I'm in amazement and I'm in awe and that's why I feel like it's it feels familiar because when you're a child, everything is amazing, right? And it gives you that wonder-lust feeling. That's why it's very pleasurable or euphoric. or It's, it's just, it feels good. So the, the cube is folding on itself and it's constantly folding, 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 folding. But the shape, the size of it is changing. And what made me realize was that I have the ability to kind of change my own ego. Before, I always thought, you know, the ego is something that you need to master, you need to enslave, you need to control, you need to you know, manage, but the ego's is there to protect you. It has a relationship with you, you know? Having a big ego is beneficial for your body and for your survival to a certain extent in certain circumstances. But if you put yourself in a position where you constantly need to have a big eagle, it's going to spiral out of control, right? It's like if you, your eagle is like a dog almost, right? It's your canine best friend. It could either bite you or it could serve you. So, if you take your dog to the dog park where all the dogs are aggressive and they're barking at each other, your dogs don't bark, and your dogs don't behave out of control, and your dogs don't start behaving more and more aggressively, you know, but it's, and you could neglect it, you could beat it, you could smack it on the nose and tell it to stop barking, blah, 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 but you're not reaching an understanding with yourself, right? You're kind of hurting yourself in a way. And the dog analogy, it's, it, it guys, it, it means more for people who love dogs, but it's a part of you, it's connected to you. So take it at that. But if you change your environment, change your perception of things, your ego will change, it will adapt. Also, if you're a dog owner and if you've been around dogs, you understand that like if you freak out, if you're, if you're, if you're freaking out, if you have a bad energy, if you're really you know, agitated around a, around a dog, it's gonna react that way. But if you're calm and relaxed, it's gonna be calm and relaxed. Same thing with your ego. So that's the first lesson that I kind of learned. And this is all happening like super quickly, right? So it's just, I'm, I'm taking a puff and the first puff goes in, second puff, and like barely could hold it. And next thing you know, just everything starts vibrating, boom, it melts. And then the music's there. And then everything starts folding, 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 folding. And then I'm like in wonder loss. I'm looking, I'm like, hey, this looks familiar. This is awesome. I'm like, oh my God. And then next, you know, everything goes dark. Okay. So when first time everything went dark, I was kind of panicking. I'm like, fuck, like, god damn it. Like, I know I, I perceive myself as a pretty negative person inside and I've done all the like the chakra and you know, the, the assessment and stuff. My energy is generally yin, which is darkness. And it I, 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 I identify with it, okay? But when, when well, I was under and darkness was shown to me, I started freaking out initially because I was disappointed. I was angry, blah, 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 blah. blah. But the more negative, I fell towards the darkness, the more it wasn't gonna change. And then after a brief moment, because time is not, it doesn't, you have no sense of time when you're under this. So afterwards I realized, oh shit, shit, you know, like I don't need to be freaking out the fact that it's dark. Like I am just, just gonna accept the fact that it's dark. Like what the, what the fuck, right? Like I'm I'm expecting DNT to show me a bunch of like weird shit or like, you know, a, a monk or a, a Buddha's gonna pop up in front of me and have a conversation. But it's, it's a mirror reflecting myself. If I'm being negative, I'm going, be shown negativity so I'm looking um, I'm looking uh, I, I, I know where we're going <laughs> so I'm looking at this darkness and another thing I recognized was there's motion there's movement in the darkness and it's still geometric in pattern and I, I have a theory why it's always geometric like that's a commonality when people experience DMT, ayahuasca it's always geometry um, and I'll get to that later. But I was seeing movement in a sense that imagine the scale of a serpent, of a snake. I didn't see the head, but it was a large enough serpent that it was going across, like slith- slithering up and down. Okay. In my field of vision and everything is dark at this point. Now, why is a serpent? I'm looking at it. Because I was born in 1989, I'm Asian descent, and by character, my zodiac is snake. And you know, I, this is what I mean, like it's a mirror, because all these things are pre-programmed in my head, and now it's pulling it out at a certain time and showing me a particular form. So I'm looking at this, I'm like, holy crap, sir, serpent snake, that's pretty scary, like holy shit, like I hope I don't end up seeing a snake and the head is gonna devour me, all these anxiety and you know, more dark thoughts, right? And what I realized is that, um, look closely, right? This is where gratitude or appreciation comes from. I'm covered in darkness. I don't know, like I've taken this substance, I don't know how long I'm gonna be fucking under for. It feels like fucking forever, you know? And it's just, it's dark, I I don't like it. And there's a fucking serpentine scale shit like roaming around, like it's not pro bono. It's not a good time right now. But then I figured I'm okay with darkness. I'm okay with emotion now let's make sense of this. Let's look at it deeper. And when I look really closely at the scale, at the serpent, I see little spectacles of light. And what this reminded me of is when I was a kid or when anybody has been out of the city, and you look up in the night sky and it is, it is dusted with stars, right? Now, when you're in the city, you can't appreciate it. When you look up in the sky, it's just darkness. But if you take your time and you really, really focus and look, you can see the stars. And that's to me it was a metaphor of, of my my life. It's most of the struggle that I face in my life and the challenges is because I have very ridiculous, retarded expectation of myself, which is a pro and con in its own. But when you have really high expectation, you have to be willing to accept the fact that you're gonna fail, right? And that's where momentum and motion comes from, is like you're gonna be stuck in the shit, you're gonna be in the darkness, but the key is to keep moving. then how you keep moving because that's when i was like freaking out that's one of the things i'm like oh my god like i don't like how am i gonna get out of this how am i gonna get out of this and that's when i start seeing the little spectacles of stars is that in life's struggle in your moments of shittiness and darkness there are going to be moments of light there are going to be moments of bliss there are going to be moments however small right like your car you could have crashed your car today you could have you know you could have found out that You know, your grades were not good. Your paycheck got cut, blah, 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 blah. A million bad things could happen. But maybe you had a delicious meal. Maybe you had a good ice cream. Maybe an old friend messaged you. It could be the smallest thing, but if you take that moment and you really genuinely take a moment breathe and appreciate it, those are the type of practices and those are a type of moments that's going to give you the courage to deal with all the other bullshit, to allow you to push through. Because if you don't appreciate the spectacles, the little stars in life, that all you're going to see is darkness, right? And without movement and without darkness, you're just lost.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's so, I mean, it just reminds me of the importance to slow down, to really take the time to soak it in, and how when we do that, it starts to build on itself, right? And then those those times of appreciation and gratitude will slowly expand to where you could be grateful many times throughout the day and, and you know, after a few months, a year, however long it takes, you're essentially transforming this, what used to be quite dark, into more light, right? You know, they're still going to have the dark and the light, but your time in the light will expand. Yep.
1: For all the um, the neurochemical geeks out there, because I'm very skeptical as well, I don't want to talk about, like, woo woo and... You know, a lot of that stuff is just, it's basic mathematics, in a sense that if you practice gratitude, if you practice slowing down and, you know, deep breathing and appreciating the moments, you're going to have less stress hormones, right? If you have less stress hormones, then you're going to, you're not going to be, it's less likely for you to burn out your synapses of taking on those stress hormones and you manage stress better, right? So it's like stress is like essentially self poisoning. If you slow down and you take the dosage down, you make the poison less potent, then you're just going to experience less of it, right? And same thing with gratitude and happiness, dopamine. The more you take those type of drugs and create, take on habits to generate those type of feelings and those neurochemicals, then you're gonna have more abundance of that. And like given the choice of living in positivity or negativity, why would you wanna choose negativity, right? Like, obviously there's a place and a, bo- place and a time for both, and it's inevitable that you're going to experience both. But your perception of it, you know, your ability to push past it, having progress, that's what separates us from, you know, people who are depressed and sad. Because um, like going back to happiness, you know, being, gratitude over what you have is one aspect. It's how you measure your magnitude of happiness. but that equation is not perfect in the sense that you need to have constant, you need to be in motion. You need to feel like you're moving places. You're making progress because life without progress is the biggest joy killer. It's the biggest happiness killer because it's like being in prison, you know? you know, you feel like nothing you do matters. Nothing, you stop giving a fuck about anything. And doesn't matter what you do at that point. You're just gonna feel like shit.
0: Yeah, no, you, it makes a lot of sense, right? You need to see change and know that you have some way to make things better, right? You've got some evidence that, okay, if I apply myself in this way, if I follow a certain course of action that I can influence things, I can make things better. And that then gives your conscious mind the experience of moving through something difficult, right? So many people, it's like, yeah, you get stuck, right? You get stuck in a rut, you get stuck in a depression. And pretty soon, you're not going anywhere, you're not doing anything, you're not doing new things, you're not exploring. And that becomes your new reality, right? And because humans are so good at, you know, normalizing suffering and getting through like just surviving right maybe to go into a fight or flight fight or flight mode and just survive that unless you have these experiences whether it's through smoking dmt whether it's through you know gazing up at the stars whether it's through whatever whatever you're never going to remember that you can move through
1: yeah just the old saying like you know how there's so there's so many motivational speakers out there and like they're all spilling the same shit it's all like oh you know life happens for you not you know to you and what they all say is it's all true and it's all bullshit, you know and i know that's a contradicting statement but that statement is true depending on your perspective and perspective is everything You know, life is gonna, life and mother nature and the universe is going to happen. No one gives a fuck about you, right? (laughs) But how how things matter, because people have this need to like, wanna be individuals and matter and stuff, is your perspective. That's the only thing that matters. Right, how you live your life, how you choose to behave yourself, how you choose to carry yourself, speak yourself, influence the people around you—that's what you have control over. The universe, if you if you drop that tomorrow and you're a negative person, no one's gonna care. You know, the tree's gonna decompose you, and you're gonna just your matter's gonna get reabsorbed. And so be it. Like life is without bias. You know, why you feel that certain things are shitty, and like you feel like oh it's. It's so bad right now, and like the world's out to get me. is because of your perspective, and this thing changes your perspective. It gives you a newfound perspective, but it's it's not new in a sense because it's just something that you're not experienced seeing. Because like you know, if you look at my experience with DMT, it's all based. It draws on it draws from past experience. Draws from what I give it. You know, it's essentially is reformatting your hard drive and then spewing out. You know a different operating system so maybe it's changing your mouse layout from pointing to the left to the right side right but by doing that it gives you more appreciation and gives you a better insight of why you were operating the way you were operating
0: yeah it's a software update essentially right um and so we've all been you know programmed one way or another most of us completely unconsciously by well-meaning parents and society some of us by awesome, conscious, you know, in, in-tuned individuals. But so it's so, it's it's mostly, you know, 99% subconscious, right? It's all hiding in the shadows. And so these tools, as they were, are like, the, like a spotlight that you can shine in, start illuminating the shadows. And then from that, yeah, you get to decide, okay, what am I going to do with this knowledge? What am I going to do knowing that there's a deeper reality going on that there's, there's more than just this material, physical experience, right? I'm more than just my body. And that can be very powerful. I mean, for people that haven't experienced it, that's, uh, I imagine that's what a lot of, you know, these sages and teachers and Jesus type folks and Buddha are referring to, you know, when they say, or when Jesus said, you know, you have must be born again, born of spirit. And who knows what they were getting up to back then, what sort of plant medicines they had access to and meditation ceremonies and temple ceremonies and all that sort of stuff. But it's the same thing, right? Different paths to the same realization.
1: History has a way of repeating itself, right? And. one thing that's common and you have to look at the commonality how I like to always look at solve a, how do I if I have a problem how I like to look at it is I want to look at it from a very macro perspective and from a very micro perspective and that oftentimes in it might give you a different opinion or different solution and based off of the two uh, possibility of looking at it from a macro or micro then you just look at the commonality and generally speaking that would be the best form of action or the best plan for you to implement to solve this problem because of consistency, right? If you look at science, you know, quantum mechanics and, you know, string theories and, um, law, um, what's that? The laws of relativity, I don't know, just theory of, relativity. theory of relativity, right? So, um, looking at things extremely large and looking at things extremely, extremely small gives you different perspectives, right? But, where we operate is in the middle. Where humanity operates is in the middle. We understand that. Like we live in the Goldilocks zone, right? Everything can, it can't be too hot, it can't be too cold, but your body is very adaptive. So back to the point of what you are saying about people's ability to tolerate suffering. I used to think, I'll be the number one person, and Brian could attest to this, that I used to thought everybody's fucking weak. Everyone's retarded and like there's survival of the fittest and yada, yada, yada. That's not true. People, people's tolerance for bullshit and pain is extremely high
0: and that's part of the problem
1: right because
0: you want to just like pull over if you can find some shade and just pull over okay. that'll work unless you want to keep driving I'll keep going. okay up to you okay so sorry people's tolerance is
1: yeah people's tolerance for pain and suffering is uh, it's extraordinary you know uh, everyone's pain threshold is different. People know that like during orgasm, your body can handle up to like what? Eight times the normal pain threshold is your body is primed to take a beating, but it's the dosage. That's the poison. If someone is constantly poisoning you small little bit at a time, whether it's physical poison or psychological poison, you get adaptive to it. It's like people growing up in a re- in an abusive relationship household, right? They get used to the bullshit. They get used to the yelling, the fucking crying, the, the bottle slamming and everything. That becomes their new normalcy and norm, normal, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you are the average of the five people around you. It's hard, for you to const- it's, it's hard for you to change yourself. That's why it's a lot better for you to change your environment because when you change your environment, you're forcing your body to adapt. You're forcing a new way of thinking. That's why traveling is good, right? People find enlightenment through traveling because like, you know that's why you have a lot of people that are, grew up in privileged areas, go to the really poor areas, and then that's how they find gratitude. But regardless, it's perspective, right? Perspective is all that matters, and your perspective changes your tolerance. It's just that most people get accustomed to their perspective and they don't want to look at anything else. It's like going to, you know, the Louvre and looking at only the Mona Lisa because that's all you heard about. That's it's idiotic. You know, like the reason why you're there, the reason why you live, life is to live from experience to experience. It's inevitable. Some people are more excited by that fact. Some people are not. You know, some people like to, you know, be... I call these people Patrick. They like to live underneath the rock, and that's it. You know, it's like, I'm good. Don't show me anything else, but...
0: Is that a SpongeBob reference? Yes.
1: <laughs> but it, the, the it's inevitable. Curiosity is, a, I think, it's a innate human trait. You know, all children are curious, and... Um, it's you lose that curiosity because of bad experiences. I find it's like you know you were punished for you know sticking your hand in the cookie jar, right? And then after a while, just you know what? I don't even fucking like cooking anymore. <laughs> but you know when you but you
0: but you're lying to yourself, right? Because we all know you want you really want the cookie, but you you're making a decision that the potential consequence outweighs the potential reward.
1: Yeah, but then if you're okay with that decision, then so be it, right? Live and let live. So. If somebody wants to live their life denying their ability and their appetite to embrace curiosity, then you have to respect that individual. You know, a Patrick wants to be a Patrick, then you should let the Patrick be, right? It's not your job. You're not a God. You're like it's that that's the beauty of it. But a lot of times people make these decisions because of conformity. They're not they're not used to it, right? And more oftentimes I find is especially in modern society is that somebody might be a Patrick, but they get super envious and jealous of other people who took the chance, who took the curiosity. Well, then don't blame other people. You know, they took a shot. Maybe it worked out for them, maybe it didn't work out for them, you know, and we tend to focus on the the billionaires that made it and the rack the riches and you know, we don't focus on all the failures and stuff. But fail, you should look to fail. You should look for struggle because Momentum, movement, and improvement is the only thing that's going to guarantee you success. Constantly showing up, taking the shot, right? You have to swing. You have to pay to play. That's the key, right? Otherwise, you're just you're stagnant, and then you're going to feel depressed eventually, and then you're going to wither away, and your life will move past, well, you know, life will pass before your eyes, and you're going to die an old man filled with regrets.
0: Yeah. And that's just kind of a sad reality. And it's it's a completely avoidable reality. Similar to... Similar to... You could probably ride the curb. Well, yeah, a little bit. Similar to the widespread belief that you need to get old and get sick and die in a, you know... Probably not even surrounded by the ones you love, but in some sort of nursing home. It's uh, it's, it's it's a myth, right? It's a myth. But if you buy into it, then that's going to be your experience. But it requires a buying into, and so being aware of the buying into, I guess, is what we're getting to here, right? It's like you become so you 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 become so aware that oh shit, I created this. Like I'm choosing to do this. Why would I choose to do this if it's not good, if it's not in line with your values, if it's not bringing you closer to, you know, the ideals you're aspiring to to embody? Why would you choose to do it? You wouldn't. But it's like this collective insanity, it's like a spell. You know, it's like we've been put under a spell but then forgot that we're under a spell and really we gave we put ourselves under a spell in a sense becomes very interesting becomes very tricky
1: the problem like you said is choice and i've been saying this like until my face turns blue mm-hmm. is that the difference between mortals and uh us versus god an all-knowing being whatever you know i'm just using god as a word <clears throat> is that when you have abundant resource knowledge and infinite power you cannot make the wrong choice because it's it's you know you know what the right choice is humanity we don't know what the right choice is that's why in that And that chance of making a mistake is where you have to embrace your vulnerability. Plain and simple, right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like people people live their life and they don't know what kind of choice they make. And that's why they get sad. But knowing that you you make all the decisions, you are the Alpha and Omega, you hold all the cards. That's a big responsibility. That's a big ask. And that's a big, it's a hard pill, it's a tough pill to swallow. And, you know, not everyone's ready for that.
0: Yeah, and so where in the journey are we? So the snowflakes have come, the speckles of light along the serpent skin.
1: Yeah, and so now what, com- what came after that? We're in darkness and I see movement and um, that's pretty much it. And afterwards it's a very gentle letdown. There's no um there's no um drawback from it, you know, there's no hangover, so to speak, and you when you come back, you just feel clear. That's one cool part about these drugs. And DMT is naturally secreted from your pineal gland. It's something that you produce. So <clears throat> that's why I feel like it's also feels familiar. Unlike, you know, other chemicals that you inject or you might take, right? It's foreign to your body. They're, your body's always going to have this innate, on a cellular level, you know, friend or full re- reflexes. Your immune system's
0: going to look at it and be like, what the hell is this? Yeah, but, but because it's so abundant in nature and it's already in our brains, Um, Yeah, there's no toxicity, there's no overdose, there's no nothing. Um, And there's not even... It's interesting that it's processed so quickly. And Mm -hmm. I mean, the different ways of administering it obviously determine that. Like we said, ayahuasca is more of like a slow build relationship, right? Whereas smoking an extract is like, you're just there.
2: Yep.
1: Um, But there's a reason for that, I feel like, because... We're put on this world to struggle actually. That's part of the fun, is to scrape and get, you know, get back on the bike. That's what it is. If you are a, like DMT, right? Like whether you call it the spirit particle, whether you believe it or not, if you, I have a feeling that if you take enough of this, you will understand where you're supposed to fall in line with society, with the universe and everything else. But at that point, you lose that sense of mystery. And when you lose that sense of mystery, you lose out on certain opportunity. And that in itself is a tragic way, you know. So sometimes, like you might, you might take longer to get there in the spiritual journey, financial journey, success, whatever have you. But you got there. Like as long as you keep moving, you'll get there, right? And then if you, if you, you can't shy away from making mistakes. That's what it is. You gotta learn. You know, be open to it, and be willing to listen. But back to the geometry thing. So. Uh, geometric pattern and motion is something that's constant with all DMT users and experiences, right? Why? Because, uh, this is my theory. The reason why I need to see motion is because we have ADHD, primate brains, and, um, you know, you don't want to just look at a stale painting and not be able to determine it. It needs to constantly evolve. And in that essence, like, nature is constantly moving as well. We're always constantly in motion. And that's why when you're under, your perceptions alter, but this stays true. There is always motion. Um, and a geometric shape. It's uh, it's weird because geometry is derived from mathematics, right? And math and science, mathematics, from our primi- uh, primitive understanding, is our closest way to understand the language of God, or the Creator, or whatever. Because knowledge, the one const- constant in life, whether you. Once you have the knowledge, knowledge is power, right? That's a figure of speed.
0: Well, applied knowledge is power.
1: Yes. Uh, application is something else I want to talk about too. But if you once you know the knowledge, right, from this side of the universe when you're on Earth, or I snap a finger, I'm a genie, you're on the other side of the universe, given the resources and the knowledge, you're able to recreate. So I can make a fire here if I give you wood and a spark and oxygen, all the right components on the other side of the universe, whether it's location, time, permits, whatever, like, knowledge is constant. Giving resources and power and yada, yada, yada. So, life is about accumulation of knowledge, right? It's about understanding why things happen. Like, And when you boil it down, it is all mathematics. That's why geometric shape... Because it's not in nature. When we look at it in nature, you know, there's the um, um, Fibonacci sequence, right? A lot of great mathematicians have understand and they observe mathematics in nature, but to the naked commoners, like, we don't understand it. We just think, oh, this looks pretty or that looks pretty. But, like, the Adonis-Golden Ratio is a ratio of proportion and body because that communicates to you on a subconscious level that somebody is fertile. Same thing with beauty. Beauty, symmetry, right? In all culture, across the globe, symmetry is considered beautiful. And what is symmetry is geometry. It means that, you know, your eyes perfectly level. It's a perfect mirror from the focal point of your nose. And when you have that reflection, it communicates to you on a subconscious level that this is desirable. And that's why geometry, geometric patterns that you see on a DMT is a constant thing, right? It's not to say that you're not going to see, you know, some soft textures and stuff like that. It's constantly evolving. But ge- geometric pattern, it's co- it's it's a constant thing that people mention. And that's why I feel like it's there because we're so primitive, we don't understand it. So we see, I see a cube, you know, for all I know, like I just lack understanding of what the cube means.
0: Yeah, well, and if you look into, you know, the study of sacred geometry and the platonic solids and similarly the golden ratio and all these things that are at the base From the largest scale, you know, as we said, in the macro to the small scale, Mm -hmm. it's all reflected, right? And it's the whole idea of, you know, there's not actually straight lines in nature, but there's curves and spirals and things. But we can perceive things to appear straight and we can build them, right? The human can build them. But again, it's, 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 I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, like Stephen Hawking, his whole, like, you know, the source code theory of everything, Right, which we're getting closer to, and which it sounds like you had a firsthand experience of using the help of DMT.
1: And mm-hmm. I-, I think we're just gonna get there eventually, naturally. Like humans might have been born on Earth, but I don't think we're meant to die on Earth. Um, And like I'm just talking on talking on my ass here. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But if you look at it, historically, right? Like, we want things shinier. We want things... We're getting a little bit more OCD. We want everything perfectly in line. That steel countertop, the marble that's perfectly cut, the well-designed, the iPhone, right? Like, when you hold an iPhone, reason why Steve Jobs, you know, by the way, you know, Mr. LSD and fucking marijuana, whatever have you, like, what made his... Um, what, what his legacy and his biggest impact is implementing design. That are undeniably pleasurable, right? Like when you hold an iPhone, an iMac, even go back, like to way back in the day, the Macintosh computer, right? He knew that, like, what true design is, what good design is, is calculated, is meticulously executed, and when you touch it, you there's nonverbal communication that's happening. When you touch it, you understand this. Some somebody did something right here. It's that genese qua, right? That's what that's what it being a genius is. That's what understanding sacred geometry, geometric pattern. You know, it's when you're as a designer, that's what they look for. Like when it when it's all done together, it's, it's art, and art is at the highest point functionality as well.
0: Yeah, and it's that sense of quality, right? An intrinsic sense of quality that's just like satisfying. Like you hold a well put together knife in your hand, it just feels good. Yeah. You use one to chop vegetables, it just feels good. Uh, same thing can be true about cars, about bikes, about anything, right? And so I I, 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 I take it where you're going with that is that we're gonna have you know these like ultra sleek, well designed spaceship living homes.
1: Oh, it'll be like the that jets are just,
0: like, super sleek and super, you know, no-waste, ultra-efficient sort of existence. Now, part of me part of me is like, no, fuck that. It's like the hippie's like, no, we're Earth beings. You know, let's get back in the dirt. Let's get back in the gardens. Let's get back in all these things, which I imagine some people are going to continue to do, right? Not everyone's going to opt into Jetson in life, but... Um, it is an interesting concept, although I, 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 get, I get scared when people like the true um, singularity believers, who I think not, not intrinsic to what they believe, but oftentimes the industries that they're associated with are, it's like in an attempt to make the technology that's gonna save us are actually destroying what's sustaining us currently. And part of me wonders if it's sort of just like a a fool's errand. It's like we think we're making progress, but really we're just kind of like cutting the foundation out from under ourselves.
1: Yeah, but that, that's I think that's just part of the process. You know, I agree with you, Brian, in the sense that you know it's like interstellar, right? Like we're not meant to die on Earth. I don't feel like like if the the need to perpetuate, sell to. Reproduce to invent new things, better technology. Th- th- that momentum, that drive is just immeasurable, and we're all just riding around on that, riding on that wave and reaping the benefits, right? If you look, if you look at the surfing analogy, right, like we're all pedaling, and like when you're surfing alone in the ocean you don't feel like you're having much of an impact and you're just kind of riding the waves out and there's going to be big waves, going to be small waves, but that's looking at it from a very micro perspective. If you look at humanity as an organism as a whole, we've been able to change coastlines. We've been able to change climate. We've been able to influence our environment, right? So from a macro level, essentially as a whole, as a species, we're able to change the waves, right? So if we're going to change the waves and the trends, it seems to accelerate the waves, right? Why are we accelerating it? I, I don't have a clue, but we are accelerating it. And we know that with that level of acceleration, certain amount of people are gonna, left be- gonna get left behind. Look at the way we do everything, right? Everything's all collateral da- damage, acceptable loss, you know, marginalizing you know, people and everything. We're a society built on margins. So I think it's inevitable that we are gonna reach this cusp where people will understand the value of living on Earth and being grounded and staying in transit, but there are gonna be, be people that are super tech official, right? And if we don't reach consensus and community and perfect transparency by that point, then we are gonna bring the harbinger of our own doom, right? It's like the atomic bomb. If we're able to just, everybody understand each other and reach a consensus, We will not have this problem. We're still fighting over resources and we're fighting over pleasure. We're fighting over space, rights, everything else. It's it's very primitive. And, you know, with the emergence of AR and stuff like that, I agree with you. Like, but I think... Did you mean
0: VR or AI or the combination? AI fueling VR.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's... Everything's a mirror, right? Like, um it's how we're going to create artificial intelligence is going to be a mirror of us right because we consider ourselves to be the most intelligent species on earth we're not going to try to make an artificial dolphin for example we're always going to try to make in the image of us which in a freaky sense is what god did too um but you know like with our population and our consumption our desire and sustainable tech and all that stuff we are going to reach a cusp where we want to live on Earth, but we're just no longer able to sustain everybody. And at that point, what is the acceptable loss that society is willing to undertake to ensure future survival? And this is just very macro talk, because realistically, we're never going to be at that table having this conversation. But you know, part of being a good surfer, when you're, if you're going back down to the micro level, when you're on that sea, when you're in the sea, is to be able to see the waves coming and prepare yourself. So you could either ride it out or go underneath the wave, right? So it's good to keep tr- track of trend and understand where society is going. But you, your purpose in life is to figure out what you're good at and what you what gives you value for yourself and be being in service of humanity as a whole. Because if you don't serve humanity, then you're gonna find yourself in a very lonely position. You know, you could achieve wealth and power position by bullying your way through. But when you're at the top of the, at, at that food chain, you behave that way. You're just gonna not have a lot of friends and you're gonna eventually want to throw away everything and put a bullet to yourself. You know, we've seen this time and time again, like um, Robin Williams and, you know, a lot of great people, Michael Jackson, right? They, they fall because like, they're so good at being who they are and like perpetuating themselves that they achieve all this power, but they, they feel lonely. There's lack of connectivity, and that's why they can't survive. It's, we're one cell part of a bigger organism, right?
0: Yeah, and getting back to the whole surfing thing and, you know, choosing who's going to go forward and who's going to not go forward, and I've never even surfed, but from what I understand about surf culture is that there's, a, there's sort of this inborn level of respect where it's like you choose okay this guy's that's his wave right that's not my wave i'm gonna chill back i'm gonna let him do his thing ride it out and maybe the next one's mine you know and so being able to have that sense of um judgment judgment position right finding our place in it all that allows for a more harmonious unfolding of whatever it is we're doing uh seems like it's so key. And that's where community, right? And the idea of tribe or the ancient idea of tribe, where everyone had a role, everyone had a piece, right? And this is this whole thing that I'm fascinated by, um, that I see emerging. And I see with more and more friends, more and more businesses, more and more people that I work with, is that we're essentially forming our own consciously created tribes that i hope and imagine one day will become you know almost completely self-reliant self-sufficient if not you know close to so that we can actually distance ourselves from the rest of whatever else is going on and at least in our little world have more of a sense of belonging and more of a sense of contribution um that's like a day-to-day thing where you know the contribution you're making i mean if you work in, I mean, I am I struggle to think of an example right now, but something that's more just numbers, right? Say you're, you're an, an investor, banker person and you deal with numbers. Even if you're doing work that's bringing wealth to really good sources, if you never get to experience it, if you never get to go to the places that you're benefiting and experience it and see the smiles on everyone's faces, you're going to feel pretty shitty, right? And so it's being able to have... A lifestyle that integrates day-to-day, face-to-face interaction that gets us back to our human roots is like, I want that to be part of it. I know it's not going to be the whole thing, and I know it's going to integrate into a larger technological picture, but that has to be part of it.
1: That is that is the goal, but what you're describing, Brian, I feel like it's a lot of, uh, it's, it's very uh, idealistic in a way because curiosity is what kills the cat you know, and um, to play on your point, the quote that I, I think of is uh, there's two important days in your life, the day that you're born, the day that you found out why, right? So when you're part of a tribe, when you're part of a small community, like the Amish, like the Mennonites, um, you have to kind of specialize cause, but ideally you specialize in the field of your choosing. Like you understand why you want to be a carpenter a winemaker or you know, a farmer and ideally that, that group fits well, but the one thing that throws a clog in that wrench is, once again, the problem of choice and curiosity, right? Why do you... Why is there a surgence of, like... Why do people watch, like, you know, that Mennonite show or something like that on MTV where they take people who are really wholesome and their character and throw them in the middle of the city and tempt them with alcohol and drugs and sex and all that shit? Like, it's entertaining. It's a spectacle. Because curiosity kills the cat, right? When you inevitably when you form a small community, if you are managing it well, it's going to grow. And with growth comes curiosity because you're not going to be able to constantly well balance individual. So Mm -hmm. there is going to be this interaction of the outside and inside. And at the outside, if you're a small community, you have to like the, you know, that shitty movie, Am I Shyamalan the Village? I don't know if you've seen it, where you have to interact with the outside, then you are still, it's like, you're still a group of servers in part of, in the ocean, right? Like you could you could serve on this side of the ocean, but if a bunch of people are on that side are creating their own waves, you're gonna catch some of it, right? And then some, and if we're all you we can all link arms and try to hold on to each other, but eventually one or two is gonna wash out, and that's why. And you see this in nature, right? It's just like the the mass outpowers the minority. It's just constant, constant over and over again. It folds over. So that's that's where the struggle comes in. And realistically, when we talk about the struggle and stuff like that, there is no struggle. It's a perspective thing. If you want to accept it, then cool. If you're not willing to accept it, then you're going to have a hard time.
0: And that's why I don't mean necessarily that we're going to actually live all together and not interact with the world, but we're going to have networks where we're going to have a place in the country where you need to go recharge, you can go recharge. We're going to have places in the city. You need to go stay in the city and do some work, you're going to have place. But you don't necessarily have to own it. You don't necessarily have to cover all the costs, all the overhead. But it's going to be there for you to utilize. You know what I mean? And an interesting example of just how quickly I'm seeing this happen is uh, last Sunday, so about half a week ago, my brother and I were out at a friend's house harvesting our cannabis plants, right? So we grew, I gave three cannabis plants to my friend, they have a farm. And I said, Yeah, you know, grow these, I'll come help you harvest them, we'll split the crop, everyone wins. And we're there and we're harvesting. And because I've been you know, diving into these topics, because I just read Tribe by Sebastian Junger, because this whole idea um, is really ripe in me right now, and the idea of initiation for young men to find that position in the tribe, very ripe. And I want to help bring about a new form of tribalism, a new, uh, a new rites of passage, new forms of initiation to bring to the younger generation because I'm also working in schools right now. So I'm really interacting with that generation. I'm like, okay, these people are the future. We have to do it right or do it better. So we're talking, we're talking. And the guy who is growing my plants was a former youth leader of mine in the church of all things. So it just shows how far we've come. And we're talking about this and I'm saying, you know, like, I really want to help build this. I really want to help do that for the next generation. And he's on the same wavelength. And he's thinking, oh, I'll have people up to my farm. I'll put them to work, you know, show them what an honest day's work is. And that's something. Two days later, I'm at the Universal Brotherhood gathering. And a new friend of mine, James Ert, who's an entrepreneur, he's a speaker. does a lot of work with young youth, especially men, especially troubled men, criminals. And it turns out that he is opening a ranch that's going to be a a uh, horse, a uh, racehorse recovery ranch and a permaculture center and like everything sustainable center, scientists like do, like donated to science in a sense. And it's down the street from my friends where I grew the cannabis, literally down the street, like five minutes down the street. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like you can't make this stuff up. Like you, it's just, I just love that. And I'm like, okay, that's just another affirmation that I'm in the flow, that things are coming together, that I'm not the only one thinking this way, that a lot of us are thinking this way. So it's happening, right? It's happening on a small scale. And I plan to contribute and to go there and maybe cook. Maybe you want to come cook some food for these kids, teach them about nutrition, I don't know. But it's like, it's happening. It's happening.
1: Yeah, I definitely will be interested in that. I think we should pause.
0: Yeah, we're going to pause, and we might jump out into the park here. Stay tuned, folks, stay tuned.
2: Making this movement move so fluently and so strongly. I have come to build a bridge, to so come let's build. prepare me for, for long battle. I am my witness, so crystal rollers, I drop the hatchet, you won't forget to say, prepare me for, for a long battle. I am a witness so oh Crystal Rollus I drop the hatchet, you won't forget to sit Mine eyes have seen nothing but by trouble You must make peace with them guarding the devils I can be rude, boy, I am not subtle I tend to sneak in and birth out them marbles. We are the ones even make to rumble I torch my enemies' house with their candle. Music is their weapon, make empires crumble We bring them bankers and wealthy to tremble What we know is right we're old, can't be too careful, shoot flaming arrows the that them wicked, burning them bridges Said right. we know is what we are Can't be too careful, shoot flaming arrows the that them wicked, burning them bridges said bro misfits matter society we struggle with housing drugs and sobriety we're not from here but born irrespectively immigrated because america rapes my country my bridge ain't big with no white man money i'm on indian time you know you cannot rush me i can be vicious malicious and ugly a danger to darkness you better run quickly what we know is what we're road, can't be too careful shoot flaming arrows hitting them wicked burning them bridges said what we know is what we all can't be too careful shoot blaming arrows hitting them wicked burning them bridges said i've come to build a bridge so come let's build 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 i am come to build a bridge so come let's build 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 i am come to build a bridge so come ba Life is pretty crazy, I was nine months old Yeah, mama gave me a 14 years old Said, I don't give a shit, my mother, she was so bored Son of the rapist, mama, body got sold Not to say papa didn't have a good soul Cause he didn't give me the anger, I was born so cold Raised white Christian in a white neighborhood There was no bridges for me and my indigenous blood Said I got confused, identity crisis Indigenous, my story is so timeless Now I'm building bridges, so did, but it don't make sense Why I'm here with the music so passionate got to ride hard or not I use it I had the ring cast on white lightning I am reading this start at nothing I'm out to your building but <laughs> that <laughs> The one feather on me next said, Must stay humble, never be like chief address. Ain't a flag upside down, I'm in distress. Never take no title at the deepest respect. Welcome to Aquarius, son, you're a legend, guardian of the gate, escape number seven. I tame the beast and I ride the dragon. I reincarnate as a wild stallion. What we know is what we're out, can't be too careful. She's flaming arrows. It ain't that wicked, burning the bridges, said, oh, What we know is what. We all can't be too careful, shoot flaming the arrows, lifting them wicked, burning them bridges, said, I've come to build a bridge, so come, let's build. I've build, build, build. come to build a bridge, so come, let's build. Said my people, my earth, my country, my heart, in service forever, a mission to better my passion, my fist, my heart, open it, reclaim, recover, protect clean water, said I've come to live in peace, so come let's live. Live, 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 I have come to live in peace. so come let's live. Live, 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 I have come to live in peace. So come let's live. Live, live, live. I have come to live in peace. So come let's live.